joining me for quite excellent episode number 39. An episode that is going to have to hold any listeners over for a while. This will be the last episode of 2020. With semester one finals coming up next week, the end of this challenging calendar year needs to be more livable than most. So, between now and those final exams, my students don't have any work to complete at home. Then, over break, more of the same. They're not going to be assigned any more work. So, this poem, Please, by Laura Kasichki, will actually be our first of the next semester. I found it in Stephanie Burt's book, Don't Read Poetry. Before we get to Burt, we must again return to our previous week's poem by Dana Smith. As I mentioned in the last episode, I am not the right speaker for this poem. I have again enlisted a friend to help me out then. This time, Josie Spadoni is our reader. Here's the poem. Say it with your whole black mouth. I am innocent. And if you are not innocent, say this. I am worthy of forgiveness, a breath after breath. I'll tell you this. I let blue eyes dress me in guilt, walked around stores, convinced the very skin of my palm was stolen. And what good has that brought me? Days feel flinching, thinking the sirens were reaching for me. And when the sirens were for me, did I not make peace with God? So many white people are alive because we know how to control ourselves. How many times have we died on a whim, wielded like gallows in their sun-shy hands? Here, standing in my own body, I say the next time. They murder us for the crime of their imaginations. I don't know what I'll do. I did not come to preach a peace, for that's not the hundred's duty. I came here to say what I can't say without my name being added to a list. What my mother feels, I will say. What she wishes to say herself. I came here to say, I can't bring myself to write it down. Sometimes I dream of pulling a red apology from a pig's collared neck and wake up cracking up. If I dream of setting fire to cul-de-sacs, I wake up chained to the bed. I don't like thinking about doing to white folks what white folks done to us. When I do, can't say, I don't dance. Oh, my people, how long will we search for God instead of something sharper? My lovely doe, with a taste for meat, takes the hunter by his hand. Before sharing my students' analysis, I feel like I should make a quick note. Talking about race is difficult, as this poem makes clear. For people outside of the communities being discussed, the topic must be approached with compassion and learning in mind. Speaking for myself, I am so outside of the black community of the poem that my experience is almost academic. As much as I am trying to learn and understand and speak as an ally, I remain an outsider that cannot speak with authority, and I will continually struggle to find the most appropriate language when discussing the topic. This is true of my students as well. As I read their responses, I was struck by the lucidity and compassion of their responses even as they may not have always used or known the preferred terms. Still, 
The language around race and how one discusses racial identities is a difficult subject. Whether someone uses African American, Black American, Black people of color, or similar alternatives that may or may not be preferred by individuals and groups that may have been in fashion previously but no longer are. Similarly, as Dana Smith prefers they-them pronouns, speaking about the author requires another adaptation that may be challenging. In all cases, I will try to adapt the language of my students where I feel necessary, and any failures to compassionately identify individuals and groups as they prefer should be seen as my mistake, rather than of my students. The majority of my student responses focused naturally on black audiences, black listeners, as the title suggests it may have been intended. But that doesn't necessarily mean that white people were outside of the intended audience. They certainly were expected to hear this. But they're not the focus. And, logically, they're given the least attention, actually, in the responses of my students. And because they are such a small component, despite being important contextually, I think it's a good idea to start there and get that out of the way so we can focus on what this poem is really about. Students noted that white people unreasonably associate the color of black skin with evil, blackness with evil, when in reality, people, black or other, are all either innocent or worthy of forgiveness in this poem and in life. So through this poem, people can begin to see what it's like to be a black person, to uh, know what it, it is to see the world and experience these racisms firsthand and recognize that it needs to come to an end, that people won't stop fighting until things get better. There are also a number of references to George Floyd being killed because of a suspicion that he was using a fake $20 bill, and Trayvon Martin killed because of suspicion aroused because he was just in the wrong, nice neighborhood. Um, students note that George Floyd was black, and he was getting arrested and died because a police officer made an assumption and that he and many others have been added to a list, according to the student. They have died because of something they could not control, their skin color, and the way the world experiences their blackness in the different environments that they interact with. Students noted that young black kids have to be warned about their involvement with cops, and this poem is related to that experience of suspicion. A student says that their days were filled flinching, thinking the sirens were reaching for me how the speaker is constantly on edge, making every day of Smith's life difficult. Another student notes that police often get away with actions like this against black Americans that continue to work at their job as police officers without consequence, either in the same departments or in others. These are important contextual matters. But like I said, the majority of these responses were students focusing on the community and the people within the community itself. And that's the majority of those responses. One student says that the speaker is wondering how much more patience they'll have until they finally decide to fight back. And their fight against the imaginary crimes mentioned in the poem. The student says the speaker expresses their restraint from rebelling by making peace with God instead of reaching for something sharper. Another student notes that this is the speaker recognizing that their feelings about their rights being suppressed by white people is clashing with their present judgment of whether they would really like to make people of 
lighter skin, white people experience the kind of pain that they experience. We have this line that says, I am worthy of forgiveness. Many students focused on this, that it shows that you're being kind to yourself and others. And focusing on, and then we have a line that says, say it with your whole black mouth. I am innocent. A student says that this shows pride, but also suggests that before they were embarrassed of their race, but now that they are proud. And this is a pretty controversial idea, but it's one that, so again, Leiden interjecting here, that has precedence. The history of this country is one of telling people of color, especially black children, that they are lesser. Before schools were integrated, and even after schools were integrated, the United States had textbooks that told students of color that they were less than, they were less likely to succeed, that they were less intelligent. And that was in the textbooks. So this feeling of persistent guilt is an important one. And maybe a sense of embarrassment, like the student mentions. Another note that uh, there's a line that talks about the speaker being convinced the very skin of my palm was stolen. And the student notes that normally the palm of the hand is lighter in skin tone. This is a fact of biology that the amount of melanin in a hand is different because of the lower levels of density in skin, which don't need them for UV protection. But the student notes that this seems to suggest that this lightness of skin color is stolen. And maybe that as a result, the speaker feels undeserving sometimes of the small amount of rights that they get. Another points to a related line where the speaker asks, what good has it brought in reference to their dark skin? This shows that having this skin, having this body can be seen and has been seen as a burden because of all the hate that it entices, that it seems to bring from no fault of its own. And even though Smith is supposed to be a voice of a community, a student says, even they feel unsafe saying these things. Even they can't say what they want to. This is that line that goes, I came here to say what I cannot say without my name being added to a list. Students pointed to this line repeatedly, actually. One noted that this speaker can get in trouble for even suggesting that people of color deserve to be treated equally, that this can create anger in some. And so the speaker wants black readers to express their rights without fear, being able to confidently and truthfully say that you deserve forgiveness and another day of life is a small but necessary step in taking and holding power, according to a student. And this relationship between steps and what comes next and what's happened before was also brought up by students when they talked about the structure. A student said the poem begins in the past tense, leads in the past tense, and fades. Another student agrees, noting that the first dozen couplets are what has already happened. It still takes place today, and as we move into the middle of the poem, into the present, into the future, the text starts breaking up. The student points to that breaking up as the future, as the uncertainty that exists there. The speaker's words transcend past and present because of how applicable the words were 60 years ago and how fresh they are now. And there's some reason to be incredulous about how true that statement is. Another student agrees that the formatting gets broken up because there are spaces we don't know what's yet to become. There's emptiness. There's uncertainty. What we do know, the student says, is that this injustice will continue into the future. And the historical context matters here. A student said that the speaker brings out the fears that black people had back then. 
but they are still known as valid fears during modern times. Another says, the speaker walked around stores convinced the very skin of my palm was stolen, which we've mentioned, but connected this with a historical past, suggesting that this could be a reference to how Western society was built off the backs and labor by hand of slaves. Building onto this is another student who says the writer thinks we should not dwell on the past and seek revenge. Although, I have to interject as the teacher here and note, speaker does seem to ask whether this will happen. But the student says the speaker calls for their basic rights and advocates for peace and unity. And so we get to thinking about what this larger poem is. Students said it was about the hardships that black people go through and how some of them choose to cope. It's about reflecting on the injustices of the past while seeing the effect that those injustices have had on the present. It's about acknowledging the issues in racial inequality. And by doing so, they spread awareness that the struggles of black people are intense and that there must be change. It's about getting some sort of justice, not just in a violent manner that copies the mannerisms of the oppressors past or present. It's about the confusion and outrage caused by the murdering of people of color in America with little to no reasoning behind it. It's a poem that is an affirmation of strength and rebellion, fighting for their right to simply be people. It's one of the strongest things humans can do. It is a message both to blacks and whites, telling blacks to keep moving forward and stay strong, while telling whites to own their mistakes and think before making future decisions. It's about how we all must be strong and do that together, and find beauty in ourselves. And there are personal connections that I'd like to add to this. Students made intimate connections to their own lives. One student noted that with minor modifications, the poem can easily express the struggle of all kinds of people in democratic and not-so-democratic countries. There are always stories of repression, and they have to be resolved. A student says uh, that... They have some concerns about the world today. They see the world as showing very little care for world events and people that lack the ability to see how intertwined the globe is right now with politics and the economy and, of course, individuals. And then I had a student who made this about or considered this in the context of their own experience and noted that while their mom who is a dual citizenship, Binet, American national, has little worry in a city the size of Reno of these kind of racial, social pressures, challenges. The more of the country they look at and the more eastward they look at, the more they fear. I'm left, as I finish going through these responses from my students, feeling dumbstruck. It's hard to know what to add to those wonderful, thoughtful, compassionate analyses of this poem. But what I do know is that when I think of the compassion and empathy that was in every single one of these responses, it does make me feel better about where we're going next. It makes me feel more confident in what we can achieve. And it makes me realize more than ever how important it is. And it makes me realize that we need to keep listening to people when they tell us about their own personal experiences. Our next poem is Please by Laura Kosicki. When I read this poem, I knew it would be one I'd want to share with my students. There's something kind and personal and intimate in it that I really enjoy. Something most clear, I think, in the poem's various imagery. 
but there is also a depth to it that I think my students will appreciate. This depth is especially clear to me when I read the poem's title as part of the first line, but I don't want to give too much away. You should know that this is a poem about persevering, however. As 2020 comes to an end, acknowledging and encouraging a bit of perseverance is a worthwhile way to wrap up the year. Persevere is, for this reason, our secret passphrase. Here's the poem. Please, Laura Kosicki. Stay in this world with me. There go the ships, the little buses, the sanctity, the subway, but let us stay. Every world has pain. I, I knew it when I brought you to this one. It's true, the rain is never stopped by the children's parade. Still, I tell you, it weakens you, after a while, into love. The plastic cow, the plastic bar, and the fat yellow pencil, the smell of paste. Oh, I knew it wasn't perfect all along. It's tears and gravities, it's spaces and caves. As I know it again today, crossing the street, your hand in mind, heads bowed in a driving rain. Students, be sure to use persevere or any version of the word in your response. This is a poem with a speaker and a listener, so consider referring to them, but don't use he or she here. We can't be sure of the identity of the speaker or the listener, so you'll need to use they and them. This poem is fairly described as a monologue, the type of poem where a speaker speaks directly to a listener or speaks knowing they are being listened to. Feel free to use this in your tag statements, although describing the genre as poem will get the job done as well. Remember to complete your paragraph-length response by Wednesday, January 6th, 2021, and two replies to the responses of your peers by the Friday that ends the week. Your paragraph-length response should include a tag and make a claim in the opening sentence or two, then support that claim with short quotations from the poem and commentary that explains how those quotations support your claim. Be sure to read the assignment instructions for a full breakdown of the expectations. If you enjoy this podcast, have suggestions, or would like me to direct an eye toward a particular poem or poetic device, leave a comment on LeidenTeaches.com or on Twitter. I am at LeidenTeaches. The content of this podcast is used as a companion to class instructional activities and ownership of these texts remain with their stated owners. Thank you for joining me for episode 39 of this podcast. I hope that between now and the next time you hear from me, discover and savor a few things that you yourself find quite excellent.